temple is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship we worship for for salvation Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship. In the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. No doubt, you've probably heard a few sermons on these passages of Scripture. (laughs) Probably, (laughs) we all know that the, the, the way that Jews got from the south to the north was to go around Samaria. Samaria was in the middle. And Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. And so they would go around the whole country. It added, added all kinds of time to their, to their travel. But better that than to be defiled by walking on Samaritan ground. Jesus, it said, had to go through Samaria. And we, we look at that, I look at that, and I think, what? He ha- why did he have to go through Samaria? And then we find out there was a divine appointment that he did not want to miss. And he meets with this this lady, and we just read the story. We We just heard about it. The result of that was a revival in Samaria. Colleen and I, um, as as Pastor Sid mentioned, uh, we started out in the Philippines as missionaries for the church. And and that was was back in, uh, I believe it was 1990. Does that sound right? Wow. That was a little while back. Uh, 1990, we we started out in the Philippines. For Colleen, it was going home. For me, it was a, a brand new thing. We were there five years. 
uh, in, that, in that period of time, the whole Soviet Union had opened up and all kinds of things in our world were changing. And at the end of our, our, our first term as missionaries, we were reassigned to this new area that they were still trying to find missionaries for, a major chunk of the world, the, the, the former Soviet Union. And we were reassigned to go to the country of Ukraine. Uh, we lived in Kiev, Ukraine. We were there for 17 years. Uh, it was during that time in, in Ukraine, one of our home assignments, that we first came to Longmont. And, and, and then we'd been here a couple times since, uh, during that time that we were, we were in Ukraine. Um, we, we were there 17 years. Uh, our boys were basically raised in Ukraine. We had two at the time we went there. They were little, tiny, not even in school. Um, our third one was, was born while we were there, and, and they all graduated from high school there, uh, with the exception of our third uh, son. He uh, had, had done a, his first year of high school there, and by that time, that we had been doing in Ukraine had been turned over to national leaders. We were at a point where they said, hey, we need you guys to go to Poland. Uh, the people, the missionaries up in Poland had, had come back to the United States and they reassigned Colleen and, and, and myself to, to Poland. The problem with going to Poland was we still had a, a one boy at home and he needed to finish his education. Poland did not have a viable option and they said, well, the, the best option that we can do, we're going to assign you to Poland, but you need to live down in, in Hungary for a few years until your son graduates. Because they had a school that he could go to and finish up, uh, whereas Poland at that time uh, didn't have a viable option for us. And then Colleen and I would just commute from, from Budapest, Hungary, up to Poland. It was about a six-hour drive to, to Krakow, Poland. And, and then we could, we could commute and uh, do, it, do it that way. Not the best option, but it was the best option for us at that time. And so we said, oh, all right. Let's let's go. But all the time in our minds, we're going, why hungry? Hungry, I mean, everybody we talked to, whether they were Ukrainian, whether they were just European, uh, whether they were missionaries serving, they said, hungry, that is one of the toughest places to, to do missionary work. People are so close to the guy. I mean, we heard all the stories about hungry and about how how difficult it was for the for the gospel, how difficult it was. They they've had Christianity for, for over a thousand years. They they then they'd gone through communism. They'd had a, a history that just they didn't want anything to do with Christianity. And we we began to go, Lord, what's up with hungry? Why hungry? Do we have to go can't we just go straight to Poland? Why do we have to go through Hungary? Our son, our youngest, Joshua, he was asking more than that. Why? All of his friends, his entire life, knew Russian. He could. Why Hungary? We end up in Hungary in the summer. And uh, we, we were house-sitting for a family. We had no place to, to live. We had to look for a place. So this family that was back in the United States, they gave us their house. We were there. 
while we were house sitting for them, we were going up to Poland once in a while during that summer, coming back looking for a place to stay, looking for a place to settle. We knew we were basically only going to be there three years, the three years of our son's last, last three years of high school. And so we were looking for a place for those three years. And uh, we, we came in contact with a, a realtor that, that uh, was helping us uh, try to And nothing was working out. And the summer was coming to a, to a conclusion. And they said, hey, we just had this new house come on uh, come to, our, to our office. Uh, why don't you go check it out? The lady does not speak any English. Uh, you need to work out somebody to translate. Um, the, the lady that was... Turns out it was the, the owner of the house's um, distant cousin that, that they called, and, and she could translate for us. And they said, we can do it this afternoon. So we set it up, and we end up at this house. It was, it was a nice house. It was perfect size for, for our small little family of three. Uh, it had a yard. We'd never had a yard in Ukraine. We lived on the third floor of a five-story building without any kind of yard, which is a blessed thing, but uh, uh, um, <laughs> this had a yard, I mean, it had a fireplace, a fireplace, real, not gas, it was like real wood, and, uh, and that got me excited, I mean, all right, I'm from Oregon, and uh, we heated our house with wood, but, uh, and I thought, wow, this is just perfect, and so we sat down at the table, the, the lady, the, the owner of the, the house, uh, was this lady named Monica. And the, the, the lady, the, the physician that was uh, translating for, for us was, was named Ildiko. And we sat down. They're on one side. We're on one side of the kitchen table. Monica's two children are off there in the living room, lounging on the couch, watching on this massive screen. And you would have to add both of these screens together to get the size of that thing. I mean, it was just huge. They're playing video games and whatever. And, and so they're in there, and we're over here, and we're, we're talking. And through that conversation, uh, we're talking about what, what, what the house is like and renting, and we're seeing rooms, and we're coming back and asking about price. And, and then we asked, we, we asked Monica, we said, why... Why do you want to rent your house? I mean, your kids are obviously at home here. This is your home. Why do you want to rent your house? And Monica says to us, she goes, a year ago, my husband had a, an aneurysm in his brain burst. He was uh, in the hospital. Uh, they, they took him in the hospital. They had to revive him two times on the way to the hospital in the hospital, in the emergency room, they had to revive him one more time, bring him back basically from death. They had to open up his, they took out a, a chunk of his uh, round section of his skull to relieve the pressure to, to fix or do something with the veins in there that had burst, the vein that had burst. And her husband, Carroy, but they called him Charlie, uh, was now at his mother's house where, where his mother could, could give him the 24-7 care that he needed. He was out of the hospital. He was basically a vegetable. They said he would never walk again. 
Um, they had not replaced the, the portion of his skull that they had removed because when they went to replace it, they found out the bone had be become uh, uh, infected. And so they couldn't put it back. They were waiting for a replacement kind of titanium something or other, I don't know, to put in there. And because it's uh, socialized medicine, they had to wait uh, nine months to get this replacement part. So they gave him a little helmet to wear, covered it over with his, his scalp and the, whatever the brain covering it and the scalp. So it's basically tissue between the outside world and his brain. And so he's at home with his mom where she can, and she lived, mother, where Charlie was, was six houses away, around a corner. Three houses, three houses, and that's where he lived, right around the corner. So Monica could see her husband regularly, uh, but she was taking care of the kids. She had to get a job. He had lost his job, obviously. She went back to work. And they were losing the house because her, her salary was not enough to pay for the mortgage and then pay for their life to, to live. And so they needed to rent it so they wouldn't lose the house. And she and her, her two children would go rent a very small apartment. His, his mother's home wasn't big enough for him. And they're telling us this story. And our hearts are breaking. And, and for some reason, right, at, right in the middle of her story, hearing all this, I looked across the table at Monica, and I, I just right in her eyes, just drilled her eyes. And I said, Monica, we will pray for Charlie. We'll pray that Charlie will walk again, that God will restore him. And we'll pray for, for you and your children as well. And she, she looked, and through the translator, she says, Oh, she says, we believe in prayer too. She goes, my husband and I, we, we pray, we've prayed three times. Once when we got married, at the, the baptism of our son, and at the baptism of our daughter. We believe in prayer too. Thank you. And I said, Monica, Colleen and I, we will pray for you Charlie, for your kids, for your family, every day. I mean, she blessed her, I guess. We concluded the deal, the house, the price was right, and, and for her it was right, and we concluded, we signed on the dotted line, and uh, uh, Monica moved out, we moved in. And we began to live in, in Monica's house. That was the end of the summer. We, we stayed in touch. She, just, she lived in town, but a kind of a different area in a little tiny apartment. And Thanksgiving came. And through the, the translator, well, we, we had been doing some, some Hungarian study, uh, trying to here, so we didn't really dive super deep, but we did have to get survival level. And uh, so we're doing some Hungarian, but it was through the translator that, that uh, uh, for some reason we were talking with Monica and we were talking, uh, it came up in the conversation that Thanksgiving was, was, was next week. And, uh, and by the way, uh, we know you don't celebrate, you know, American Thanksgiving here in Hungary, but would you like to celebrate with us? And they go, we would love to celebrate. We've heard about turkeys all of our lives and about America. We've never had that, and, and, and we've never had it the way you Americans do it, and we would love to be a part of that. Well, our colleagues there, Jay and Tiana Sunberg, 
on Thanksgiving open up their house uh, for a massive Thanksgiving celebration. And we're talking like 50 people. And it's Americans, it's missionaries, and it's, it's everybody that, not everybody, but a lot of people that Jay and Tiana know. And they know a lot of people uh, from various countries from all over the place that, that come to their house for Thanksgiving. We, of course, were invited to, to that. And we uh, got permission for, for Monica and her family to come to that. Now, now, Thanksgiving, as we all know, is the fourth Thursday of November, which is, uh, if you do the, the math on that, that's several months after the end of August. Monica's invited to Thanksgiving. Everybody's there, but Monica and her family. I mean, all 50-some people are there, but Monica and her family. And we're trying to call. And, and the translator was invited, too, because, I mean, somehow we had to connect. <laughs> and they're not there. And we're, the translator's trying to call, and nobody's answering their phones, and where in the world is Monica, and we can't get Thanksgiving started till everybody's there. She drives up. She's late, and I mean really late. <laughs> and everybody sees her drive up. And then she doesn't come into the house. And it's like, what in the world? What is keeping them? They didn't even have to bring any food. They're not trying to get their, you know, little casserole out or anything. But they're not coming in. And she's running around the car and back and forth. And we're all looking from the window. And finally, we go out there. And Monica, how can we help you? And I just see, as I say that, that the trunk has popped open and she's getting a walker out of the trunk. And she's going around to the passenger side, and she gives it to her husband, Karoy. <laughs> and she goes, Bob, I understood this basic Hungarian. Come help Karoy get out of the car. And I, I, help, I pull him, basically. I mean, we flip his legs around to the outside the car, and then I pull him up and get him situated on the walker. This is her husband that for a year and almost a half has never walked. Walked from the car down some steps into the home of Jay and Tiana Sundberg. The whole story, I mean, he started, I, I, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but he started just by flipping his legs off the table, or the bed where he was, where he was in his mom's. And he just grabbed a chair just to stand up. Because he wanted to he wanted to walk. And he did it without anybody knowing when his mom was away at the Which if he would have fell and hit or done something, I mean it would have been over. Over. And then little by little, without anybody ever knowing, Karoy taught himself, without anybody but the father knowing. Karoy taught himself how to walk and then he surprised everybody and then they got him a walker. That was the beginning of Thanksgiving. Everybody got inside. Karoy got seated. He's weak. He can't, he can't do a lot. But he could get says, uh, we're going to start Thanksgiving with a prayer. And we had a, a wonderful prayer for everybody. 
And there's Christians and non-Christians there. It was a wonderful Thanksgiving prayer. And Monica and Charlie are sitting right here together. And Monica's eyes were just pouring tears during the prayer. And Ildiko, the, the translator, is sitting right next to her translating the prayer. And she's just crying through the whole prayer and sobbing. Sobbing. And after the prayer, Jean and I turned to, to Monica and said, Monica, are you okay? I mean, we had no idea why she was crying so much and sobbing. And through again, through Ildiko, through the translator, she said, we've prayed a lot. And you said you would pray for us. But she said, I have never heard They knew him like that prayer. Thank you for praying. <laughs> Christmas came just a little while later. And Monica, the, the, that part of Hungary is very Catholic. And they do Christmas, they do Advent, they get all of that. And Monica, on the first Sunday of Advent, she invited Colleen and, and Joshua and myself to, to their little tiny apartment. And I'm talking tiny. For the first uh, lighting of the Advent candle, the first, the first candle of Advent. And she says, Bob, would, would you pray? <laughs> and it was, there was no translator there. And it was an English prayer. Uh, I threw in what little Hungarian I did know. After uh, Christmas comes Easter, we invited, uh, well, after Christmas, actually, a couple weeks after Christmas, we started inviting Monica to, to come to church with us. And uh, we would go to a couple services every Sunday. And she would come to the first one so she'd have time to get home and take care of the rest of her family. And uh, she, she did. She, she came faithfully to that, to that first service that we would go to. And that, that was going for, for several months. And then Easter is coming up. And we said, Monica, there's a sunrise service right over the Danube River here in Budapest. Would, would, you, would you join us for that, for that service and then go to church with us? And, and uh she and Charlie came to that sunrise service with his with his walker again. <laughs> summer camp after Easter. It's the next big Christian holiday. And <laughs> the whole family comes to summer camp. The whole family, both kids, their son, Akila, their daughter, Adrian. They're, they're meeting at summer camp. I mean, they're meeting all kinds of other kids, and Monica and Charlie never saw. That was which blessed the parents that they had good kids to run around with. We, we found in Hungary that it wasn't so close to the gospel. We, we found in Hungary that uh, God had a purpose for our family to go to the 
way to prove and, and we, at the beginning, were asking, why, God, what is up? And Hungarian, Lord, have you ever tried to learn? Oh, you don't need to learn Hungarian, but... We found there was a, God had a purpose. God had a reason for us to be in Hungary. I am convinced, and I and I have been for for years, especially after uh, uh, reading a, a man named Henry Blackaby, that that God is way ahead of us, way ahead of all of us, and and God is at work, way way ahead of us. He's at work in people's lives we would never dream of. God's doing something in our world, in people's lives. I'm convinced of that. I'm also convinced that our perseverance in the faith, if I can say it that way, our sticking with it, with, with the faith, with Christianity... Is, is not our effort to follow after God. Our effort to, to, to be in His Word and to, to uh, evaluate the things in our lives and correct them so that we get it a little bit more right today than we did yesterday. I am convinced that is not how we persevere in the Excuse me. That's not how we persevere in the faith. Because if that is, then it's about us. Then it's about me getting it right. And getting to be more righteous. Right living. But right living, I don't think is the most accurate translation of the word righteous. A more accurate translation of the word righteous is right relationship. But here's the thing. It's not my right relationship with God that makes me more righteous. Are you tracking with me? God's right relationship with me that makes me more righteous. Think about that. Think about that. God's right relationship to His creation that makes us righteous. God stuck with the people of Israel through thick and God never abandoned His people. They might have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Where was God? Right there with them, making the bricks. 
God was the one that delivered him out of the hands of the Egyptians. And God was the one leading him. Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. He's the one that came behind him and, and, and clouded the, 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 the sight of the Egyptians right before the Red Sea. God was the one that led him through the Red Sea. God was with them. God never abandoned them. You get into the, the, the prophets, into other parts of the, the Old Testament, and you see the up and down of Israel and how they, they're passionate after God and they're going to follow God and they're going to, like Joshua, will follow you all the days of our... They have the promises and they, have the, they say all the right things and they do all... The, and God, it's, a, it's blessing and it's all... And then what happens? The next generation... They're building altars on the high places and they're following the, the bales and they're building the Asherah poles and they're, 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 they abandon God. Where's God in all of that? Right there with them. He never abandoned Yeah, they made Him mad. They made Him mad and there was punishment and there was destruction and there was just all kinds of... But He never abandoned his people ever. His people were up and down and close and far away and they promised and then they left and then they... His people were all over the place. Maybe a little bit like our lives. But God never abandoned and it's that right relationship of the Creator with the created, God with us, that right relationship that He maintains that, that makes us righteous, that makes you and me righteous. It's us clinging to Him in those good times and in those bad times. It's not us working and learning and we need to learn, we need to work. Please don't hear me say don't do that. We need to do that. But it's not based on our works, on us becoming better, more holy, more righteous, because we are learning how better to phrase things or talk to people or control our emotions or our anger or whatever it might be. We need to control our anger. We need to learn how to speak kindly. And we need, I'm not saying that's not important. That is very important. But the relationship with God is Him sticking with us. He's out ahead of us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. And it's us, the closer we stick with Him, the more sensitive we are to His Holy Spirit, the better we understand where to go, what He's saying, what He desires, and how He is with us through all of that. I'm going to read this quote. It's from uh, Eugene Peterson. Our meaning and purpose is not from probing our moods, motives, and morals, but by believing in God's will and purposes. Following the map of the faithfulness of God.
Let me read that again. Our meaning and purpose is not from probing our moods, motives, and morals, but by believing in God's will and purposes, following the map of the faithfulness of God. Each one of us have waypoints, piles of stones, whatever, whatever you build in your lives of the faithfulness of God. And if we, if we were to sit here today and begin to look back on our lives and, and start from when we became Christians, when we gave our hearts to God, we could, we could there are certain things in our lives where we can, we can set it down. God did this. God answered that. God led this way. God directed. And there's a whole map of how God has led in our lives. And we can see it. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is faithful. Colleen and I look back and we say, why did we go to Hungary? We see why. Monica gave her heart to Jesus Christ. She is a faithful member of the church there. And is part of Bible studies, regularly attending her, her, her family's life. She, she introduced us uh, to, to, to her family, to her brother whose life was falling apart. And we began to pray with Monica about her brother and begin to see God work in his life. Monica, Monica prays every day now. <laughs> Multiple times a day. Not just three times in her life. Praise the Lord. She, she, she loves God. Praise the Lord. Charlie <laughs> gave his heart to God. He became a Christian. He got involved. There was a man at the church that uh, he, he, ha- he didn't have a car or anything like that. He lived clear across on the other side of town, city. Budapest is a city of about two and a half million people. He would ride his bicycle, rain, shine, it didn't matter, for a weekly Bible study and just a fellowship time with Charlie. He would spend three to four hours every week with Charlie. In Char- Charlie can't get around. I mean, he can, but he can't uh, very well. <laughs> he would come to Charlie's apartment. Charlie eventually and Monica, they got an apartment together with their kids and all that. He moved out of it when he could walk around. He got out of his mom's apartment. Charlie gave his heart to the Lord. This man started discipling Charlie. Still is, to our knowledge. Still, They're still meeting together. Discipleship isn't just, you know, do the eight Bible studies and you're done. It's, it's, a, it's a lifelong process. And, and, and Charlie is part of that with this, with this brother from the church who rides his bicycle clear across town. Their son, Attila, please join us in continuing to pray for Attila. He has not given his heart to God. In fact, he had questions way back when this whole thing started about why God would do this to his dad and to their family. We're still praying for Attila. He's graduated from college. He's got a job. I mean, he's, we're still praying for that, for that young man. Their daughter, Adrian, 
She gave her life to Jesus Christ. She goes to church. She, she because, partly because of that, she, when she got into uh, high school, she started studying English. And she's brilliant. She, she learned English very, very well. Uh, Ildico is no longer needed. We're praying for Ildico too, by the way. But, but Adrian is the translator now. And she even speaks with an American accent. I mean, it's great. You can understand her. Uh, <laughs> um, but she's given her life to Jesus Christ. And she is, is, is growing to, into a beautiful young woman. She's in, in university now, studying English, other languages. Um, <laughs> how, how all of that's going to work out in the, in the decades to come, we have no idea. That's not our worry. But God had us go through hungry for a reason. And then our son graduated, came back to the U.S. for college, and we moved up to Poland. Now I can start telling you all my... Po- no, I can't. I, those, those stories will have to wait till next time. But uh, I, think, I think I've gone a little long. But I'm not sure what's happening in your lives. I know what's kind of happening in the United States. We, we prayed about that this morning. But some of our own lives, sometimes we look and we go, God, why do we have to go through Samaria? Whatever your Samaria might be. Why, why do my grandkids, why do my kids, why, why, why? I don't know. But I do know God's ahead of us. And I do know that he is with us as we go through our, our Hungary, our Samaria. He's with us. He will not abandon us. He loves us. And he wants us to cling to him in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through, that our family is going through, that our, our, our city, our nation, our, the state of Colorado what we're going through. God does not abandon his people. And he wants us to cling to him, to follow so closely (laughs) that whether it's up or whether it's down, we know, we know that he is right, right with us. As we go out into the city of Longmont or wherever we're all from, around Colorado Springs, uh, wherever we're all from around here, as we go out this week, please pray for, for your missionaries. Pray for us up in the mission field of Montana and Wyoming. We'll pray for you down here in this mission field in Colorado. <laughs> um, But have our, our minds, have our hearts attuned to the Spirit of God and where He's leading and what He's doing, not just in our own lives, but in those that we come in contact with. Missions 
Missions is about uh, proclaiming the gospel. Whether it's at home or whether it's away. The gospel this morning is that Jesus Christ has made it possible has made it possible for you and I to to not have to have all the ups and downs. We we might, we will, he won't abandon us. But that his spirit will abide within us. And he will he will keep us walking close with God as we cling tight to him and follow him. And life brings ups and downs. Just for everybody. I mean, we're all wearing masks today. God God hasn't abandoned. As we as we close this morning, I want us to, to keep in mind that He He is with us and He is way out in front of us and leading us. Would you would you stand as we close in prayer? Father, thank you for for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. I thank you for that that lady at the well that that your son spoke to and how she just just naturally told everybody about about Jesus. (laughs) Come see this guy that knew everything about me. Lord, you knew everything about her. Because you had always been with her. Lord, you know everything about us. Help us, Lord, to tell our world about you. About bringing them to you, to, to, to meet you. That, that this, this, this one that knows everything about me and still loves me. Lord, I thank you for Monica, for Charlie, for Adrian, Lord, people that, that, that are in your kingdom. We pray for Attila, for, for, for Ildiko, Lord, that you would continue to draw them, that they would be responsive to your spirit. Lord, there's people represented in this congregation here, siblings, kids, grandkids, cousins, colleagues at work, students, classmates at school, friends, neighbors. Lord, you're at work in their lives. Use us, I pray, in, in, in bringing you into their lives and in, in waking them up, saying something that will get them to to turn their hearts and their minds to you. Father, thank you for the Longmont Church. Bless them, I pray, this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.